We are back once again, the Grunge Bible Podcast, coming to you a second episode of the new year. This is episode number 146. My name is Chris Salona. I'm joined by Ethan Shalloway here on this lovely January day. Ethan Shalloway, how we doing? Stop making sense, as my shirt says. Uh, Chris, I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's it's a beautiful day outside. Uh, the weather's been nice. I know it's snowing there. It's, it's oh, a little yeah. rainy, but it's just, you know, the weather's always nice, whether it's raining, snowing, or, or sunny out. And uh, I don't know, my energy levels are really high. We, we have a really exciting episode on deck. Um, yeah, really, really fun. And um, yeah, everything's been, everything's been going well in life. Uh, yeah. How are you doing, Chris? That's awesome. Ethan, I'm great. Uh, things yeah. have been going really well in my life. He's got good energy right Dude, now. Dude, I've got really good energy. I've got a lot of good things happening in my life lately. Um, and it's been a long time. We haven't recorded a podcast I in know. Like two feels... and a half or three weeks. So it's good to get back in the seat again. We're energized. Um, we're really energized. Yeah, dude, life's happy. I'm, I'm, fucking, I'm fucking stoked. We're, I'm we're stoked back. on it. Put yeah, the word out that we are back. Yeah, put the word out to everybody. Uh, and one of the reasons why we're back and why we're so excited is the, uh, the episode that we have to present to everybody today. Uh, and today, uh, we sat down with Patrick Warburton, uh, the uh, lovely and awesome uh, actor who has been in just about everything. Uh, you see him in everything all the time uh, in uh, notable titles such as Seinfeld, Family Guy, Emperor's New Groove, Rules of Engagement, Buzz Lightyear, uh, Get Smart, and much, much more. I mean, if you go look at his uh, IMDb page, I mean, it's just uh, everlasting. And um, yeah. not only is he a very great uh, and awesome actor uh, who's done a lot of stuff that I I really dig. Um, as it relates to this podcast, he's also a huge grunge fan, huge Pearl Jam fan. And uh, we were able to connect uh, over that in the recent weeks. And uh, we all decided that it would be an awesome idea uh, to hop on to the Grunge Bible podcast and chat about some of this stuff. So this is going to be the first of a two-part series uh, that we've got with Patrick. And uh, it was a you know really, really good conversation. So uh, we're looking forward uh, you know to sharing this one. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. He reached out to us and was super nice, super accommodating, and was, you know, really excited. He was the one pushing the schedule, and, like, we love that. So it was um, a ton of fun, and, um, yeah, you guys are going to really enjoy it. Yeah, right on. So uh, we were able to do episodes like this uh, because of the support that we receive uh, moving into the new year. Uh, we're thankful for everyone who has chosen to support us monetarily, primarily through Patreon. Uh, we still have two... Uh, no, not two. We have three tiers. Excuse me. Uh, we've got three tiers, $2, $5 and $10 that you can choose to be a sustaining member at, uh, each month, uh, that, uh, monetary selection will go from you to us and help us to make this show and we're getting to that point in the year where the bills start coming due for hosting services for different uh, software services and whatnot so anything that you choose to to do to support us goes a long way uh, if you like the show this is a great way to show some support um, as we usually do we would like to uh, thank our top tier supporters on patreon at this time, I'm going to read that list of top tier supporters, and their names are Mike McCready's Mustache, King Buzzo Stole My Hair, What the Fuck is Up Denny's, Sherry Matthews, Seattle 4 Fanboy from New Jersey, Rachel Corning, Pile of Punk, Keith White, Chris LSMS, Laura Nirene, Millie, Nikki Six, Carlene Salona, Jamie Lynn, Jade Mercado, Granny Grunge, Epona, Eric R. Berry, Faith Bittner, Fuck Soup, Gochu John, Eddie Vedder Got Me Through My Second Divorce, Down in a Hole, Flat Out Fucked, Doug Endy, D Boat, Alex Long, Alexa 
Francis Shannon, Black Hole Sean, Kara Kay, and the Blue Owl. So thank you to your support as we continue uh, this podcasting journey here in 2024, uh, a new year for us and uh, coming up on the three-year anniversary of the show. And we're not stopping anytime soon. And we're looking forward to doing a lot of cool shit with this show, just as we are doing today with our chat with Patrick Warburton. I gotta say, Chris, I think that was one of your best performances, right there. That was great. I told you, I, made right, New Year's, I made a New Year's resolution you, to start the year off strong. I didn't miss anybody. You, my diction was strong. My yep. my my syntax was was on point. Um, the transition at the end was great. You know, oh it was, yeah, it was, I'm there rolling. Was right into what we're gonna do in the new year. I mean, that was just phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. Really good stuff. Drew Drew will be proud. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I hope to make Drew proud. So if only was you, here and he could, he could step in and be like, yeah, that was really good. Exactly. Levels, Some, EQ levels were solid. Someday soon. So without further ado, um, we have an hour, uh, 60 minutes coming up, coming your way with Patrick Warburton and the Grunge Bible team. So please enjoy. Let's roll the tape. great board and everything that though is what what's interesting about golf for me and i'm just rambling a little bit here is one of the things i've discovered throughout the years is that golf saves rock and rollers lives so i've been friends with the alice cooper and robbie krieger for over 20 years now i play golf with both of them you know when i met jerry cantrell uh he was 40 at the time and jerry didn't play golf and he plays golf all the time now so it seems to me that rock musicians if they survive addiction end up becoming golf addicts you wake up you play golf you come home you're tired you watch some sports you eat something you go to bed you wake up repeat so it's like a healthy addiction but um you know awesome. uh, and so many of the musicians i met throughout the years have all been through golf which i still suck at <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you never get any better you just have fun no. doing it yeah, yeah. You just because getting better get requires off. Getting better requires yeah. taking shots yeah. on the range yeah. and actually working yeah. on the game. <laughs> I've actually gotten better, but it, it took me yeah. a long time. You know, um, I find because I had joined a, a local joint and I was never a club member. And it's a tough, it's a tough course called Satakoy and it's in Somas. And I knew that if I didn't get a semblance of a game, I just wouldn't have any fun there because it's a it's a hard course. So I've worked on it a little bit. It's gotten a little better, but it's just a diversion. That's the way it goes. Absolutely. So thank you again for coming on today. Um, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. So just a little bit of background about probably a couple of weeks ago, you had reached out to us regarding a story that you have uh, related to the grunge rock scene. And obviously, you know, one of the bigger Pearl Jam fans that we've come across, uh, yeah. you are. So a really, really exciting opportunity to kind of chit chat about, you know, Pearl Jam, grunge rock, your personal connection with it that you've had that you recently learned about not all that long ago. Um, and just yeah. kind to riff over all of these things that we're passionate about yeah well cool you know chris this is uh it, it was because uh, it is i do love anything and everything grunge i still feel like you know grunge it is i feel i get i have the same i guess sort of t take on it that it's 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 fair and fair i know that's how we identify you know the movement it seems like an odd name for a movement that was so just integral to rock Right. You know, a movement that literally since the British invasion has been the most integral thing to happen to rock 
rock in the last 40, 50 years. You know, um, it, it was remarkable what happened in the early 90s, how it just held up the mirror to, you know, everything, you know, we sort of thought we knew about rock and just, you know, yeah. so many poor bands just disappeared. And since that time, nothing really in the realm of rock is has come about, you know? But yeah. um, so, you know, um, you know, I loved all those bands, but yeah, I mean, you know, Pearl Jam was the one that really, you know, for me had the depth and breadth and pathos, the one band that encompassed everything, you know, not just entirely angsty, but also with that, the, the beautiful light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, there's so much depth there. And I think, you know, that that primarily goes to uh, our boy Ed, right? But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Th so there's were you definitely... Go ahead. Ethan. I was, I was going to say, when you were younger, you grew up on the West Coast, correct? Or where did yeah, you grow up? Huntington Beach. Yeah. Huntington, yeah. So, uh, perfect. Um, when what, were you a classic rock guy to start? And then as you came of age, like I was, the '90s came on, it was like a no-brainer to start listening to grunge. Or do you remember when that was the yeah, hair metal kinda, era, wasn't it? The yeah, 80s. I was say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where was uh, that genesis of your rock and roll? And then all of a sudden, did you find grunge, or was it like, I mean, it was a no-brainer that was going to come that way well well grunge because i was you know always rocker like look in the, those early days now tommy thayer is a dear friend of mine he plays my saint jude but i love tommy and i think kiss is fun i was never <laughs> i was never a kiss a kiss fan yeah. uh you know or early on i was more um you know uh you know rush pink floyd the doors zeppelin those are my bands um you know uh and so that's sort of, you know, and I always just felt like there was, you know, more obviously substance, you know, to bands like that. Um, you know, and I was always curious, you know, I was at a, at a Cantrell's house once for, you know, one of his amazing birthday parties and uh, imagine. a kiss shirt on. And I was just curious about it. And I said, listen, not to disparage anyone's taste. My wife's warned me about that. And I, and, I, and again, you know, and I think Kiss is super cool, but um, they're they're big fans, you know. And I mean, when I say big fans, like McCready, you know, oh Kentrell, yeah, all these guys worship them. Yeah, this was a big inspiration for them. And uh, I, I always found it a bit curious because there's so much depth and you know, um, you know, depth and power in their mu music. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. you know, Kiss wrote songs like "Look It Up" and. Um, uh, I just, you know, I, I was curious about that. And then, you know, you know, Jerry explained to me, you know, all music doesn't have to mean something, you know, or be yeah. meaningful. And so he's absolutely right about that. But, you know, I've always been, you know, a little bit snobby with my rock. And uh, it, it was, um, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember the first time I heard, you know, Pearl Jam on the radio. And this was, you know, uh, very early, early 90s. Now, I know all about... You know, you know the uh, obviously the incarnation and the what is it the Mama Son tape and the all Mama that. Son tapes, yeah, the demos yeah, and all that. I mean, I've I've known about you know just sort of the legacy and the lore, some of the stories. Wasn't sure if they're true or not, but gosh damn it, I wanted to believe all of them because it, mm -hmm. you know, this oh, is yeah. back when God, the hand of God, brought a band together. Like you know, <laughs> right. how does that happen? You know, we 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 go to like you know you know these 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 produced boy bands shortly after this. How did that ever? 
happen. Right. Uh, you know, where like honest to God, just inspiration. These are like these stories are like biblical. You know, mm-hmm. you talk about the tragedy of Mother Love Bone and losing Andrew, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, Jack Irons fighting a guy who works at a gas station. He gives, station this, he and gives this team to a and, guy in San yeah. Diego. Like, like how th- how is this real? <laughs> yes. You know, it's just just such a remarkable story. But the first time I saw him live, so I was working on a, a film in Oklahoma about a football player who got paralyzed named Dennis Bird. And Peter Berg played Dennis Bird. I played Scott Mercer, who was his teammate that he'd actually had the accident with. So um, uh, uh, Peter's become, uh, you know, a big movie director. But, uh, yeah. you know, he was, a, you know, he was a, a pretty prolific actor, too, at the time, starring in that show, Chicago Hope. And um, uh, but Pete you know, was on set. Pete goes, uh, hey, uh, Pearl Jones playing tonight at the Traffic and Transportation Building at the State Fairgrounds here you know, in Oklahoma. You want to roll? And I'm like, I'm in. So that was the first time I saw him live, which I think was maybe 94 with nice. versus tour. I think it was that sure. it just, you know, it, and it just, man, it just blew me away. And that was the be- I don't want to say that was the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end was just me hearing him on the radio and getting the, those first albums. And then you see him live. And, and you know, and to this day, they are still just as dangerous, just as, you know, powerful, amazing on stage. The greater. They, they, you know, they, they continue to excel. Yeah, and I think that's the most exciting thing uh, and truest thing about Pearl Jam is you got to see them live. And I mean, Ethan and I, we were born in the 90s, so, uh, you know, we didn't get the chance to see them live for the first time until 2016. And it was just such a seminal moment. Like, we were fans for them for the longest time. It's like, holy shit, like, we need to go see them. You know, so we, we, we went up to Boston, we saw them, and they opened with Release, which was like our favorite song by them. And it was just kind of like the next iteration for our personal relationship with that band of like, how are these stories true? and like how out of like all of the shows that we go to we go to the one that they open with the song that we needed to hear um and you know they they blow the doors off you for three hours still i mean that by that point they were well into their 50s they've been doing it for 30 years and it's just you know it's just some sort of like weird alchemy that happens when they step on stage together yeah yeah just um like this magnificent you know um brotherhood and connection and um there's an you know in essence there there's a soul to that band um and an importance that has kept them together throughout all the decades and years dealing with all the you know uh of the worst parts of human nature as far as egos go and this and that but all knowing that there's something of a greater importance here could all go off and do their solo projects and this and that but stay together as a band believe in them so know how important they are as a band and stay together because yeah. that's really really tricky you know, in the realm of rock music, as we've seen throughout, you know, decades and decades, how it, it's rare for that to happen and for them still to be it is. integral and important and to still be, you know, moving, moving ahead and reinventing and, but still, you know, reinventing, but maintaining too, you know, everything else. It's and just... It- and that energy that they have obviously permeates through all of their fans and they have some of the some of the most diehard fans out there you could argue them against any other band and like when we were there you'll appreciate this so chris and i like we walked through uh boston we parked you know parked far away walked through and people are outside and you know you can just tell people are, are really excited and we get in there and um we're waiting for the first song to play and there's this guy next to us. And Chris, did he have a shirt on to start the show? Or no, he, had, he, he came in. He came in sand came shirt. In, yeah, he had nothing. <laughs> he he came in guns ablazing, and he just had rear view tattooed across his chest. And we're just like, 
we're like, that's amazing. And we started like talking to him and like immediately, as soon as like, um, release started, he put his hands around both of us. And like, all of a sudden me and Chris looked at each other was like, uh, we're home. I think we're here. Like, you know, like, this guy, like rear view, he went, he brought us some beers and then like, he said he was a retired cop and and did you know he had all this stuff and then all of a sudden you know he was gone forever but rear rear view mirror guy sticks in our head forever and it was like sure. you know afterwards everybody's singing in the parking lot and stuff and we were you know I, you know i probably was like you were you 20 years old chris and i was like i think it was 19 at the time yeah, 19, 19 21 19, so. Yeah. so it was it was awesome it was a lot of fun it, it, it's um it's it's an experience, you know, too, when you, you have that first experience at a Pearl Jam show and then you, you know, it, you tie in with the, you know, the fans and you're, you're all there experiencing something that you know is rare and is exceptional, you know, and then if you're forever perplexed throughout your life as people are like, oh, are they still making music? Are they still, you know, those who are just not like, just go to a show, go right. to a show. It, it'll change your life. I, I remember um, I used to... Um, I was doing a show in LA at uh, CBS Radford, right there in the Valley. And we all, after we'd shoot, an, uh, shoot a show, we'd go out to uh, this bar, Firefly across the street. And um, was there. And so uh, one of the women there that uh, worked on the show, her best friend was there and we're all in the bar. And so her best friend's like, you know, diehard, you know, goes to every show, Pearl Jam show and, and, uh, and myself and then our friend Lori, she didn't know who they were and we literally went out into uh my car you got it you got it it's been so because oh, we yeah. all got a better a buzz on so we got in the car and we just played it and and on my you know radio in the car and awesome. lori that night who didn't even know the band his you know at this point you know 20 years later has traveled all over the world with pearl jam more so than than me or i think her friend's name was sam uh, have done combined Wow! And that night we introduced her in my car, and she's she's been to Italy with the band numerous times. She just you know it's been been such a huge part of her life. Just goes, but yeah, it's it's there aren't there there aren't bands that you know. I mean, provoke that type of no. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, preach, yeah. I preach the gospel of Eddie Vedder. My wife's always thought that I had a problem. <laughs> just like you can't get it, you can't get a martini in yourself. You know, this is whenever we're out. Uh, without talking about Eddie Vedder, um, <laughs> so you like are so, you're so jealous. You are jealous that there isn't an artist in this world that you are as impassioned about as I am about Ed. So stop being rich. Um, yeah. That reminds yeah. me of the uh, there's the Kevin Bacon commercial. Where I think he's doing like Comcast, and he's like, and he's 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 like, yeah, I get to watch all the Kevin Bacon movies, and he's like, my wife says if I keep you know watching, I'm gonna turn into Kevin Bacon. He look looks around and goes like this. <laughs> It's like you, you're like if i keep listening to any better maybe i'll turn into him. it's like i hope so <laughs> we have this barn out in our yard which i turned into you know uh, let's a typical i guess you call it man cave it's cool it's had a big you know i had a screen out there and a projector and we got amps and it's all it's like a jammer so we got drums and a board and a pa and all that good stuff yeah but back in the day um, all of our neighbors just sort of dubbed it club ed early on, because the second we get drinking at the house, I would just start getting people out there and we'd be playing, um, Pearl Jam DVDs. I'm like, you guys, so it'd be like, you know, the Matt <laughs> Burton show or shadow box or something like that. And we would just watch these live concerts and, and just stand there. And 
uh, you know, and I think that <laughs> just, just, there's, just there's something it. of an indoctrination for, for, for a lot of those, you know, like, um, my, my cousin, Charlie, you know, he didn't really know the band at the time. And he, 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 you know, goes to like every show now. And, mm-hmm. um, so we, we, indo- it's like a cult. It really is. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing, like what a great healthy gift. cult. Yeah, exactly. The very healthy cult. What a great gift to be able to give to other people though, like through this art that has affected you to be able to introduce somebody else to it and have it change their life so much too. I mean, I think all of us have those stories of like, Hey, somebody showed it to us or I heard it on the radio and then somebody, you know, taught us more about it. And then you're off and running and pretty soon you're doing that with other people. I mean, that's exactly what happened to us. You know, when we got into this and they were like, go listen to, you know, once we, I mean, same thing, we, we found out about the lore behind all the bands and being connected and how people played with each other and we were blown away we couldn't believe it was real and then it was like go to a show they're going to open with the release and you'll know that you're home we're like okay and then we went and we were just like blown away because it was true and we were told by these people like you know they kept telling us that just wait <laughs> yeah yeah um you know the, the whole scene too you know up there because I, I just love to read like rock bios now that, you know, but I, I love all those ones, you know, all the Seattle born Seattle bred bios, you know, from, uh, what is it? No. Oh, oh, I love that one. Um, everybody loves our town. Everybody loves, yeah. Everybody loves our town. Everybody loves our town. It's a great one because you, you get all the minutia, all, all the artists, you know, with their takes and perspective and, and usually pretty uncensored, uh, you know, yeah. about everybody else. And I love that. Yet there was, they do talk about, you know, the support that there was in Seattle, that rare support, whereas you didn't find that, you know, like in New York City bands at the time, they all shit on each other. Right. But there, yeah. there was always so much support. Um, always, you know, found just, you know, Cornell just to be not only just the, the most remarkable voice and you know frontman just amazing talent but how supportive he was you know of ed in the early days and the other uh, all the other musicians up there i thought it was just tremendously generous you know and um and evolved for musicians i think that's too one of the reasons why there was so much depth to all that music that came out of their depth and pain but you know i also you know love and hope too that we find Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and better lyrics. Yeah. And you mentioned that a lot. And, and I definitely feel the same. Most of all, out of anybody from that era, you hear that with Eddie's lyrics and something, you know, that all great artists are able to do. They're able to take their own experiences and their own struggles and, and present it in such a way that you can always, you know, you can, you can insert it and use it to explain what's going on in your life and to give light to the things that you're dealing with. And the same thing with the hope aspect of it. And, you know, yeah. Eddie does that better than almost anybody, you know, he's able to kind of put them side by side and the juxtaposition yeah. that the dichotomy there that exists is something that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, when that end of the wild, um, you know, uh, album came out soundtrack soundtrack. Yeah. Oh my God. I played that, you know, I went through that over and over and over again. We talk about talking to you, you know, feel like, you know, it speaks to you is, is it, it's so intimate as an individual, you know, or his ukulele album or anything. It's just such a, you know, just an amazingly profound, you know, singer songwriter. He's Bob Dylan with the voice of Eddie Vedder. That's what he is. <laughs> um, he, yeah. I remember, I think it was uh, when the, they had the big, the big storm, that devastating storm, Sandy, I don't know, in New York. Yeah, years ago. Sandy, 
2012 yeah. or so, somewhere about 10 years ago. And they did a big, ben- you know, big benefit. And so Springsteen was there. Roger Waters was there. Vetter. And I think when Vetter walked on stage, Roger Waters did this. If Roger Waters is doing that to you. <laughs> see, I go, you know, those, those people who don't get it, I go, even I'll get it, you know, all the, all the rock greats, they know that he is, you know, of our gen. He is the uppermost. He's the, he's, he's, yeah, he's the God of this generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This I generation's totally icon. Yeah. That into yeah. the wild, like, um, it was like a perfect, uh, situation or culmination of events to have Eddie Vedder like write that soundtrack for that type of movie because you know Chris and I we spent a lot of time with it as well and and if you're an individual you know was in solidarity or trying to figure out your life and you have that soundtrack and then you get to pair it with the movie and kind of those thoughts um, it is such a special piece of work that is you know could be one I mean yeah it's like one of his best like if you're talking about like evoking feeling and then you know you also have the motion picture behind it so. Uh, we talk about the parallels between you know acting and and movies and writing and uh, um, music all the time, but it's such a it's such a beautiful piece of work that um, you know, we're we're lucky to have. Like that's that is one of my favorites as well because that movie was um, it really impacted us at one point in our lives. So yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a story. It, you know, whether you're, you're in your youth or yeah. you know many years older. So. Uh, <laughs> you can you can relate because we all you know we were all sort of there you know yeah totally and that's one thing too i mean you've been listening to this music for 30 years and you've been going to shows and you know you've gotten uh to know a lot of these guys too and that's one thing that's interesting is as time goes on your relationship with the music evolves and you know it kind of serves as a soundtrack in different ways and i think a lot of times you know the same song can mean different things at different points in your life or the same record or something um and it's just kind of like that 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 road companion that you can have you know always in the seat next to you yeah yeah that yes and that to you know you know say you're taking that road trip with somebody who doesn't know and you can't yeah. believe that you get to share this with them all yeah. right we're gonna go a to b i'm gonna ask for silence for the next uh, 40 <laughs> minutes classes in session yeah mm-hmm. let's just listen contemplate you know yeah do you have a you go-to? Like just hold off hold yeah. do you have a go-to uh, song or album that's like if somebody's never heard heard of pearl jam before ed before you're <sighs> like this is the one that i gotta go with Oh boy, I don't know. You know, it's forever changing. I mean, you know, like the last four or five years, you know, uh, all of a sudden it was, you know, um, come back. Oh yeah, from yeah, from the Uh, Avocado album, right? Which I never, I I remember that being one of my, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, on the Avocado album, my favorite song was always um, uh, the one that McCready wrote. uh uh inside job yeah mm. oh my god inside job fucking amazing <laughs> and there are, there are great songs on that album but yeah that one just never you know it landed with me and then um you know but i guess on you know like on was it no code i guess wish list has always been i mean just such a profound when you talk about lyrics you know i wish i was the full moon shining on it that's the right album right that was no off co- of uh, yield so the that was off album. of yield yeah, yeah that was yield wish list yeah so um you know i wish i was as fortunate as fortunate as me mm-hmm. he's just like oh my god it's but every single you know little analogy that he has yeah. in that song 
Yeah, just, it's, it's like a prayer for all of the people in your lives and for what you want to be for them. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing, no code. I mean, like a song like yeah. present tense, for example, too. I mean, yeah. just like album after album, there are these, there's these lyrics and, and these yes. ideas that he communicates through, through, through his words and through his songs that it's like, you yeah. know, it's unbelievable. I yeah, was self-reflection um, that he can pull out of somebody is, is, you know, better yeah. than anybody else in that time. And the other bands that we listen to that, I'm not even sure we'll get to the other big four and the other bands. We might just spend all this might be club this ed for the day as well. Yeah. 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 Which the people will be meeting. fine with, yes. Um I uh what was it? Um oh so they were uh this was in two thousand and nine. The band was uh they did four dates at the uh Gibson Amphitheater, it used to be the Universal Amphitheater Universal. I went to three three of the four shows. I would have gone to all, all of them, but uh, I was working at the time. But so I was there with my wife one night, and so we were backstage. And there's like um, this is L.A., so there's like 200 people backstage, including right. John Krakauer and Sean Penn, you know. And so my wife and I are backstage, you know. And so um, this dude Smitty from the band, super cool dude. He he came up to me and he goes, "Hey, uh, Ed knows you're here. He wants to see you." I'm like. So my wife and I got to go back in right. the room while Krakauer and Champagne after half off back there. <laughs> Move like, over, boys. <laughs> yes. Hey. And we're hanging out. And um, you know, I you know, I met him a number of times. And you know, backstage, he's always been very, very uh, gracious and sweet. He knows I'm a super fan. And so this was like an amazing night because he gave me his social distortion t-shirt at night. He gave that to me. And it looks like out of the blue. He was just like, I want you to have this. Yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah. And then I took my t-shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I give you this. Yes, I give you a jersey exchange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys switched, you guys switched shirts. <laughs> it was remarkable. And that was that he gave me his you know, email and goes, um, I want you to, uh, I want you to uh, help me out the set list for, for tomorrow night. I was like, oh my God. So yeah. I, um, present I wanted to ask chance. about this. I wanted to ask yeah. about this, this request. I mean, what an honor and like, uh, Oh you know, my god! Maybe a, like you probably were a little nervous. Like, you know, how, how do you can? Well, I was, this? and I did reach out to some of my friends. You know, and I said, "Help me out with this." You know, this set list. So because yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to like share. Because you know, it's like how generous they are. It's like you know what? Totally. All right, I'm gonna get my group together, and you know, and we'll, we'll do this to, together. And um, but it was so funny because my we walk out to the the car. So you know, you know, my wife knowing my obsession, she just knew how she was there to witness that. And she yeah. just knew how special this was. We walk out to the car in total silence. Not a word is spoken. And she's on, you know, the passenger side of the car and I'm on the driver's side of the car. Before we get in the car, I took the shirt and I, cause I knew she was watching me. And I just smelled her. <laughs> and then I, and then I had a frown on my face and I just looked over at her and I go, it's clean. <laughs> um, the emotional roller coaster. I, I can't say. I really, did, really want to. Did, did not, ex, did uh, not expect yeah. a clean social distortion shirt. <laughs> <laughs> was not on my bingo card. <laughs> no, but um, so what yeah, night and I, what show? I'm gonna look. I want to look up the set list so we can have something to talk. What? Which? Which night was it? Oh my god! I can't. It was. It was. Uh, it was like, you don't have uh, this. You don't have this framed. <laughs> in, in I do. I have the. I had the concert poster framed. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah. But I had, I, you know, they opened with Long Road and I didn't put that on my set list. And I was like, mm. oh, because, because <laughs> here we go. Show, I brought my son Talon. So I'm bringing my 19 year old son Talon. 
who he's had some great experiences. You know, he 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 loves you know uh, Floyd. Mm-hmm. So for his 19th birthday, we went to see uh, Roger Waters do the the wall at the uh, was the Forum or Spectrum or awesome. Staples Center. But he was also 19 when I took him to this his first Pearl Jam show, and it was dead set list. Like, so that's dad's really right cool. in the but set list. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. So uh, he started with Long Run. I was like, hmm, well, I should have put that on, but it's not. And I'm like, I'm wondering. <laughs> so um, rolled into a couple of songs that weren't on mine, and then all of a sudden songs start popping up so it's like maybe like the third or fourth song was alone from lost dogs oh that's a good pick yes and i was like oh oh he did that for me all right and then i you know <laughs> the, some of, these are some of the other ones it was uh, nothing man amongst the waves even flow untitled you know that's, but you know, untitled is so beautiful yeah untitled so beautiful so he did that um wish list present tense sounds like a list that we would write chris yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, these no, like, i wish i could teleport had... back for this porch yeah. crown of thorns and i remember when he was on stage it's like you know maybe we play this song once and at least at that time in 2009 once and maybe whatever city he goes i think this is the first time we're playing here and actually i'm not sure it was the first time he might have forgot, but it was just cool. He did Crown of Thorns because I asked. Yeah. There are other songs that, that I had on the list that you know, like released, and they didn't do that mm-hmm. that night. But, but um, you know, and I knew that he wasn't going to do my set list, you know, top Straight. to bottom. But he he took like you know, it was great because he took like twelve songs, you know, and that was yeah. really really fucking cool. Yeah, going going back to like, you know, when you're in a car and you're like, I need silence. Like, you need to listen to these. I mean, that's like the ultimate. Like you get to write the set list and and then you also get to show you know your son the first first show like yeah is, I mean, that's like the that's like yeah. the ultimate um yeah. showing somebody the way and yeah. having them play the songs that you, you called out so that's great <laughs> so, so you know like two nights before that show that i took him to he talked me into buying a a, a, a 1969 dodge charger and i was always like a chevy guy but i go yeah so that's kind of good we, we need to get this and i go your mother's said i can't get into the car until i get rid of the old piece of crap that's in the garage and i hadn't gotten rid of it <laughs> but it sounds like we got to get this car and i go all right so we'll get it so um so i got it and so i call him up so i'm at this is like their pj's first night there at the gibson and town so i call town and go town the car's getting delivered on a flatbed you got to pick it up on the street and you got to drive it up there. I'm, I was just so pleased that I wasn't going to be at home to have to deal with this mess. <laughs> um, and so he goes, all right, dad. And so he's very excited. So he, he, he goes down the street, he gets the car and he pulls it up and he calls me five minutes later. He goes, mom is so pissed off right now. She's so <laughs> angry. And I go, I go tell him, this is the good news. In two days, she's not angry anymore. And we still have a Dutch truck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he goes, you're right. Unfortunately, he took that bad parenting and used that. Like the rest, anytime any shit would go down, I go, Tom, why did you get another snake? Like, yeah, it's well, in two days. Like, yeah, it's like your mom said, you know, no more animals. But he literally, he had like 15, he had tarantulas in his room, like different species of tarantulas, including a Goliath bird eating tarantula the size of a different plate. He had different scorpions. He did, it was a zoo. He had these, these um, centipedes from South America where you have to put bricks on top of the cage. If you can imagine a bug that could push uh, the top of the cage off. That's <laughs> I don't the, want anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't imagine that. <laughs> creepiest things in the world. And he had a number of snakes, you know, and his mom said, you can't get any more snakes until you get rid of one. And then he got another snake. And I go, tell him, why'd you do that? And he goes, dad, in two days, mom's not going to be angry anymore. 
I'm still going to have a reticulated python. I go, oh, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess out of teaching teaching your son that lesson and that tactic, you, you did get a, a, a 1969 Dodge out of it. So, yeah. you know, probably worth it in the long yeah. run. And you yeah. still have the car. Oh, we still have it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's totally worth it then. Yeah. That's, that's such a good story. That's yeah, it's just it's jet black. They're so nasty. They're so mean. It's a great car. Um, got a 440. Yeah. Uh, the first time I met uh, Eddie was at a show at Irvine Meadows back in the day, which hasn't been there for a while now. And that's where I went to all my early shows. You know, the first show I ever went, I was like 19. It was uh, Billy Squire open for Queen. So oh, it was cool. a pretty good first concert. Yeah, you know, my a- first concert could have been like, you know, I don't know, The Fix or something. Not a bad band, but I'm just saying not legendary Queen. Yeah. And uh, and Billy Squire could rock pretty pretty well back totally. in the day. Uh, but you know, I remember I was backstage and I had I brought three of my brother in laws, and that's what I brought. And we were back there, and this was a small backstage, so this was you know there might have been ten people there. I remember Phil Jackson was there, and it makes sense okay. that Phil Jackson was a huge Vetter fan because when you think about his mm-hmm. legend, yeah. career, and you know he's just most more like the you know the Zen golf or uh, uh, basketball coach. You know mm-hmm. he was just on a whole nother tier. Yeah, than, you know, he's on a different it, it, level. It would make sense that Vetter was his man, you know. So Ed's talking to Phil, you know, and then after that, I'm rehearsing. Like, what am I going to say? You yeah. Know? I walk up very humbly to him. And I'm like, uh, Ed, your music's meant so much to me. I'm just gushing, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he looks at me and goes, he goes, so you're an actor. And I go, well, I've done some stuff. And and, and he gave me a hug. He goes, he goes, no, he goes, he gives me this hug. And he goes, you're a fine actor. And I'm looking, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking, oh, it meant so much. I'm looking over his shoulder and my brother-in-law, my Two of my brother-in-laws are are looking, and they're like, you know, <laughs> that's getting a hug from Ed. You know, yeah. it, it was awesome. That was the first time I met him. Um, but uh, it's crazy yeah. too because, like, as as a public figure, I mean, like, you're 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 around people of notoriety all the time. And is Ed like on the short list of people that you're like, oh my god, like my my voice has stopped working when I'm about to meet this person. Like I, I can't talk right now. Like I'm really nervous. Is he this probably he's probably on the short list for you, right? Yeah, the list of one. You yeah. know, <laughs> I like I know many great musicians at my St. Jude event, you know, we'll have nine or ten rock and roll Hall of Fame artists play. Yeah. You know, at our jam every night. Famously one year at one o'clock in, in the morning, because we went really long. The last guy to walk on stage was Steven Stills one o'clock really yeah which is when we all had to talk with the board like we gotta we gotta plan this out a little better we don't bring steven stills on stage (laughs) at one o'clock um he's gotten a little cranky at that point um but uh you know and i you know alex lyson from rush has come come out you know and played and you know i i i want to go down the list because i'll forget some of my friends but uh golf is a great common denominator musicians play golf all your athletes play golf all your businessmen play golf and, and your actors play golf and so it's it, it's a great format to make money for charities you know because it's sort of win 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 everybody comes out everybody has a good time and yeah. uh, but our, our our tournament's been all about the music because we have a songwriters night uh the first night and then we have the big jam the next night and so uh so uh yeah it's been it's been uh, cool it's been a great thing so have you played on the in the same foursome as Eddie yet? Have you have you guys spent or Jerry? Have you have you played with him? Oh, I played with Jerry a number of times. Played with Jerry, yeah. but not yeah. Ed. Yeah, I love uh, I love Jerry. I love Alice. I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, AIC has been one of my favorite bands forever. Um, you know, since the early nineties there. Um, but, uh, I met Jerry in my backyard. So <laughs> I, for my 40th birthday, I, I didn't have, I didn't have birthdays for, you know, from 30 to 40. I really didn't have them. We had four kids. Right. You know, at that Life's point, it's, like, it's time for me to have, I'm going to have a party. I'm training for, I'm going to have a party. So, uh, yeah, and I'd already been to, you know, probably at that point, 50 Chuck E. Cheese birthdays. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's like, how about let's get one for me? <laughs> and there was this um, makeup artist on the show that I was doing. And so she knew Jerry, she knew Billy Duffy. Uh, and she knew these guys. Um, I thought, you know, maybe I might get like a Pearl Jam cover band. And she goes, I can, she goes, um, I talked to some of my friends. I, they won't actually uh, want to play. And I'm like, get the fuck out. I, I go, she goes, Jerry Cantrell and, Bill, and Billy Duffy go, it's no way. She goes, yeah. I, and so I got, you know, cause we're like, we're in like kind of horse country. So we all, we have about, you know, everybody's got like two acres out here. So I got a stage generators that we got a sound guy, everything. You get it all set up. Got it Jerry all Cantrell's set up. Coming. Still, yes. And, and at this point you don't know. You know, and this is why at that point, why, you know, this all lined up for me partially out of tragedy because Lane had just passed a few years before that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, AIC was still down. Um, the cult was down because Ian Asbury was out, uh, front and for the doors with my buddy, Robbie Krieger. Okay. Yeah. These guys just wanted you know, get out and jam and they put together, you know, a band. And so, um, I think Rob Krabi Kar- was, uh, the lead singer. Um, Chris from the cult was bass was on bass it was Cantrell and Duffy and and they came out and and it was it was unreal that you know the Ventura County Sheriff showed up and I was four sheets I was I was yeah you know, <laughs> and so some of my buddies camp and they go sheriff's here and I go oh crap so I go down the driveway and I get the uh, so I, I bump into the sheriff's down there and they're like um you know you can hear this two miles away and I go come on guys you know, like I got like my arms around, you know, right. a couple of cops and I'm bringing them up there. And I go, I bring gotta them all this. Like, <laughs> you got to hear this live. <laughs> so I go, you know, who these guys are in the one, the, the, you know, the one sheriff's like shakes his head. No. And the other sheriff goes, I know exactly who these guys are. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> he goes, um, he goes, eh, he goes, uh, can you guys uh, maybe like go, you know, wind it up in about 40 minutes? They go, we've been on for an hour. These, these guys are not going to be playing that long. And so, yeah. We were good. Um, but that was, I, I remember yelling at half the people at the party because half of them like around the corner, I go like, you know, and I'm drunk. Like, do you have any idea who's playing here? Yeah. Like, this, is a, this is an everyday occurrence. <laughs> get over here. You can't like, go down to the local bar and see these yeah, guys like yeah, get, yeah, get yeah, right yeah, in front yeah, of the stage. Yeah, yeah. I know you have a really important story to tell, but get over here. Yeah. yeah. What type of what kind of music do they play? Were they just jamming, or were they were they doing covering people? They, they, everything. They did, they, it was all cult and uh, Alice tunes. No fucking way. Yeah, yeah. So they did like Love Removal Machine. They did mm-hmm. Wood Rooster. It's like it was wow. unbelievable. Yeah, in in yes. your backyard at your in birthday party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like yourself stuff. It's like I, yeah, exactly. This yeah. is the type of stuff that's like you tell somebody. It's like they don't believe you. Yeah. That's so cool. We love, yeah, we're huge Jerry fans. I mean, yeah, obviously Ed and I mean, everybody, yeah. but Jerry, Jerry holds a special place in both of our hearts. We've both seen him on the Brighton tour. 
Uh, yeah. Chris, you His saw him twice. Stuff. I saw him twice. Yeah, yeah the you, most recent solo twice. record he did. I got to a couple of shows, but I mean, he's just his versatility as a guitarist and also as a vocalist too. I mean, yeah. obviously with Chains, you know, back in the day, it's all about Lane, but I mean, the the flavor that yeah. Jerry gave to so much of the vocal parts of Chains is really, really unbelievable. And he, I mean, he's aged perfectly. I mean, he's just as good. Yeah. He sounds just yeah. as good. He might sound better. He just he's, seems he's playing like, the best. He's just yeah. one of those guys that like, I'm not surprised that he was the one that played at your show. Uh, or your birthday one of our one of our friends is at a new year's party and he was there playing like he just shows up and he's like oh, he seems like a really just a great guy and like he's a great know, guy it, it's nothing's too big you know it's not too big for him like he's like yeah i'll play like you know it doesn't you know I'd, I'd love to you know i mean that's why i'm a yep. musician he's not snobby at all no he's not you know and he is like that in that way they were actually roommates for a short period of time mm. oh my god this was um oh my god this is when you talk about just <laughs> uh, we all have that buddy who just is clueless and oh, yeah. um he's a dear friend of mine uh, so my buddy mark uh you know he's 10 years older than me and if you're not steely dan he doesn't know who you are <laughs> and i can't believe that jerry's just pulled up so this is earlier in the day jerry's yeah. just pulled up my driveway i'm like i'm meeting him for the first time at my house i can't believe what a gift this is that he's going right. to play at my birthday in my backyard and my buddy Mark, as I'm meeting Jerry, says to Jerry, he met Eddie Vedder. That's, Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding. <laughs> you. And Jerry, Jerry, very, uh, um, very uh, charmingly, and um, you know, <laughs> just says, uh, 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 he goes, uh, yeah, we, we were roommates. Uh, um, he goes, he's very charming. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, I look yeah, the foot and mouth I, friend I, and i'm and looking you at probably want to kill him yeah I'd be like, i've you got gotta daggers leave. in my eyes daggers as i look at mark i go mark there are about 50 tiki torches that need to be set up right <laughs> that's hilarious that's, that's incredible but i guess if there's one redeeming factor i'm sure jerry and a lot of those guys they're no stranger to having completely batshit ridiculous things said to them by either starstruck or clueless fans or fans who are both starstruck and clueless yes yeah that reminds yeah. me last year so I, i'm uh, a track and field athlete through the javelin um professionally and uh we had a meet uh it was two years ago we were it was in nashville and we were out with one of my teammates and Afterwards, the meat director, they had a, we had a big thing at a, uh, um, a brewery and, um, all the meat directors there and they had Asafa Powell was there and he was sitting down and, and we were like, oh shoot, like that's Asafa Powell. And the one guy was like, who's that? And we're like, it's Asafa Powell. And he's like, I don't know who that is. And I was like, all right, we'll go ask him or whatever. So when he's like, he's like, Hey, he's like, what do you do? You know, <laughs> he's like, yeah. who'd you run for? And he's like, Jamaica. Like he didn't go to college, but he was like looking for a college. And it was like, like dude, one of the best in the world. Like, yeah, yeah, one of the best ever. It's like, dude, that's like that's a soft value. You, you know, and he went up there like he he didn't know who he was. And it was like, dude, you look so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. I uh, you know, sometimes you don't recognize, you know. I was on a flight to New York one time and um I was sitting next to this woman the whole way, and we didn't we, did, we didn't chat, you know, until Manhattan skyline came into view and she goes, um, and so she was just inquiring what I was doing in New York, you know, and, um, and, uh, she'd recognized me and she, I, I, I so I'm doing press for a series of unfortunate events, which is this Netflix show that I'd, I'd done. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are you, what are you doing here? She goes, I'm writing a Broadway show. I go, that's so cool. I go, what's it about? And so she very humbly had to say, well, it's, uh, um, 
it's it's about me <laughs> oh, and, man. and she had to say that you know she was carol king and i'm like um oh, i go i'm in it i'm like yeah. then again her face isn't you know everywhere you know right. now and i that is like you know she didn't care but right. uh she I just probably appreciated like, that maybe yeah you know, you're, oh, oh my god okay um <laughs> it's like yeah it's about me <laughs> yeah that's incredible. <laughs> oh man. So, um, as we mentioned at the beginning, um, you've, the, the genesis of you reaching out to us is you have a really, really cool story that is, uh, within, within your family related to this, uh, uh, you know, the whole grunge phenomenon. And I believe it's your brother-in-law who has a special connection. Is that right? It's bizarro world. Yes. Yeah. So are we going to get into any of that right now? Or are we going to do we that? I want to lead into it. So if for the people listening, you know, next week, uh, if, hopefully we can get it done. We actually have, we started recording right away, so we haven't nailed down the details, but we're going to get a, a producer on Scott Crane and we're going to talk about this and, and get more into detail, but I figured we could preface it and uh, you can just let them know a little bit of what's coming. Um, and then we'll get back to more Pearl Jam, I guess. <laughs> well, Scott Crane. And, and so, and this is how we really found out about this um, uh, is an actor. Um, his father was Bob Crane who starred on uh, that show Hogan's Heroes back in the day. Mm-hmm. And of course we, uh, a lot of us know about that interesting film autofocus, which my friend Kurt Fuller was actually, and he played Colonel Clink in that. But, um, um, Scott is, um, you know, he's been, you know, uh, a DJ, a writer, a podcaster and an actor. He does all those things and, um, a bit of, um, uh, you know, an expert on, uh, all things, you know, grunge too, being that he's from, and what is that small, uh, Oh, the name of it escapes me. The island, though, right? Uh, yes, where like, all yeah. these artists and the musicians. Yeah. It begins with a B, I think. I, I, it's not in my brain yeah. right now. It's, yeah, but, it was the nucleus. It was the embryo yeah. of the mm-hmm. grunge movement. And he was there, and Andrew Wood and Kevin, and then everybody, and Dino, right? Those guys were all in that, I think, realm of that same, that same place, as was uh, my brother-in-law who I've known for 30 years and had no idea about any of these connections until we started reading. And so that's what we're going to get into because, uh, and this is, uh, you know, they're really funky. He his his actual name is Greg Gunther, but we've known him as Basil for 30 years because he and my sister-in-law cook. And to me, they're always just sort of like hippies. They live in Indianola now, you know, um, you know, he he taught all my kids how to find mushrooms in Oregon. Yeah, and he and, basil to cook. Yes, yeah. you know, <laughs> basil's just this funky cat, you know, who would like catch. He would catch. You know, he he's one of the ones I got my son Talon really interested in all all things critter. You know, like he would he would go into a pond and get like this just horrible bug, you know, in water in a jar and bring it to the cabin, and Talon would take care of it for a week or two until it died, but. uh this is this is the only way i ever knew basil or greg it's like the early crunchy yeah until just very recently so that is the stuff that we will get into yes with scott crane yeah Yeah. and there's such a tie-in with that story too with what i think the genesis of you know why pearl jam is so intriguing to it it's like all of the lore around it and it's like you know uh basil's story directly ties in with the lore that would lead to pearl jam and you know he's he's your brother-in-law <laughs> it's just like what the he's hell my brother, which i had no clue it's, yeah. it's no funny clue. that you had no idea yes and you're such no. a big fan and like yeah. 
that something like this would uncover. And we talk about it all the time, like what's yeah. what's grunge going to give us next? Like what's going to pop in that we didn't know about? And all of a sudden this comes up and, and you're yeah. blown away as much as we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he said something very, you know, you know, uh, what's interesting is that Basil himself or Greg, you know, uh, didn't want to be a part of the podcast. Said, right. That's a time, time of life. I, you know, I don't, you know, you know, he, uh, you know, ironically enough, goes, I couldn't mention one grunge song, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He goes, yeah, I just, uh, it's, uh, I burned most of those pictures from back in the day or whatnot, you know, and I, I sent the, I sent his response or text to you and you guys go, <laughs> that's grunge as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like he was um, there when it started and he got out. Like everybody like, took eh. a right turn and he took a left and he was like, yes. wow. So, yeah, without getting into too many, I guess, of the details, we want to save that stuff. Yeah. It is really a wild story. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. going to be, that's going to be. So, really one of the chat. questions I have for you, um, like I said before, we kind of compared, uh, We've on the show, we've been known to do kind of movie reviews, only like the Big Lebowski, Uncle Buck, a few random <laughs> singles movies, very random uh, movies at times that uh, affect us. And we always, I like acting um, a lot and movie and because they bring out emotions that, um, you know, sometimes you don't know how to express and that's how music goes. So, and obviously you're well into, uh, you know, super, you're a lifetime actor. So comparing like acting and music, um, what what like you know what makes you love music so much is there a connection there that you've like say thought about a lot or you know something you could say speak on that you know puts that makes them different because i know when you talk about ed and what he's done for you it's like it's different it's just different than acting the way that they can connect with people um because i find like i find those two mediums extremely interesting and how they can make people you know basically like cry laugh and all the emotions and you don't find that in very many um yeah medias and different mediums through life i think every actor wants to be a musician i'm not sure every musician wants to be an actor um you know music's what music is i think it's that's the greatest expression artistic expression mm -hmm. in the world is music which makes people and, and and everything when it comes to music is different for everybody the way they interpret it or what the song means to them um you know um yeah and you know and acting and i i sort of found you know i, I felt like early on in, in, in my days at the white fire theater with david bear is not magic it's just you know it's it's work and it's expression you know um and you know i love what i do but i always would argue i look i could sit in a room with you know de niro patino and daniel day lewis who is not just arguably but the best actor of our generation and do just fine uh you know yet you know in my many many encounters with you know ed still find it hard to talk um because of you know the impact that you know a truly great singer songwriter and musician has on our lives that is to me it's always way above and beyond that of you know um of actors you know or or other you know or even just simply poets or writers or yeah. you know um and and that's sort of the way i've always seen you know ed is you know bob dylan with the voice of eddie vetter it's a very very yeah. rare, rare you know um you know thing yeah so um 
I mean, that's, that's, you know, the core, you know, the, that, 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 that's, you know, how I would measure, you know, one, one feel against say another, if we're going to even refer to musicians. There's just something about live music. There's just an aspect of vulnerability that's there that I don't think you can find in many other, uh, art forms you know i mean talk about these guys i mean and they still do they're just laying it on the line you know and and to take their thoughts and to perform it you know for other people and uh you know just put it all out there i think that's something for me that you know music will always be that for me and i'm always you know for me it's 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 largely about the lyrics you know a lot of people you know they're like you know they like the way it sounds and everything but for me i always hone in on the lyrics and it's just that's what that's what drew me in with pearl jam i mean the, the way he was writing it's just like you don't find that in anybody else's catalog you know you just you just no. can't find it anywhere Mm-mm. i had speaking of you know actors who want to be, be music you know every actor's got a band yeah <laughs> you know and uh i Keanu had a reeves <laughs> i had a pearl <laughs> jump cover band uh you know for some time Hell and, yeah. you know and we would just do some local stuff every now and then mostly we'd play in my backyard right uh club yeah, very yeah. local <laughs> my, my bass guitar player my buddy chris who lives down the street he's the one who came up with the name of the band because it would take it the bass player to come up with the, the bearded pearl clams for, <laughs> for band. Oh, uh, but uh yeah it was so much fun and you know and i wasn't gonna let the fact that i'm just a mediocre singer stop me from doing what was really 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 fun we had a great time yeah um, so you were the singer in the band yeah nice i did uh, one song that actually people can hear on spotify but it has nothing to do with pearl jam just, this is really cool band called uh burn the ballroom and uh, i met them they're big fans of a cartoon i did called the venture brothers and i guess sometimes they would wear like venture brothers t-shirts on stage and this shit oh, and cool and so um adriel uh Janay, he um uh wanted to um not to be confused with adrian Janay, the actor from entourage Adriel Janay is the name of the lead singer of Burn the Ballroom. So he goes, Hey, man, you guys want, you want to do a song? We'd love to do a song. So we recorded it in, in the barn. And so it's it's under Burn the Ballroom, but it's a song called Goddess of the Rain, which uh, I did. And it's cool because it's actually got a, I think it's got a couple million hits. And nice. um, yeah, it's but, got uh, 2.5 million on Spotify. I just found it right here. So we're, we're rolling. I'm, I'm excited to listen to this. Do you have some, uh, some video of you the band the cover band the bearded pearl clams oh, <laughs> do you have any because that would be an incredible uh teaser to this episode that we could post <laughs> we could post you on the page <laughs> if um, you uh if you have anything or feel the uh need to get that out there probably not but <laughs> oh you know what i have a little bit i gotta see if i can find it i gotta see if i can find it but this was really cool because one time uh, cantrell was actually at the house and we were doing nutshell and nutshell. in the midst of it playing for him yes and performing for him yes and then he picked up his guitar and he got in and then we did it and we were always trying to figure out why why (laughs) why he did it and it was like it was because um uh it was because um we were either too slow or it was too fast i don't know what it was but it's like you know i think jerry's just like no it's got to be exactly right let me show you you gotta but we were just uh, you know blown away it was just it was yeah it's like i'm playing nutshell with jerry cantrell (laughs) i mean come on that's amazing yeah so i think i have a little bit of that i'll try to find that that would be really really cool that's like chris like when you when we there's like vocals only tracks on youtube and if you play guitar along with it like eddie will sing over your guitar (laughs) so you can act like you're jamming with him but actually jamming with jerry would be 
uh, much better. Do you play yeah. any instruments at all yourself or? No, you know, um, the first gig I ever got was in South Africa. When I was 22 years old and I had a lot of time off. So I bought a guitar and I started, you know, I learned how to play, you know, like wish you were here right, and stuff like that. But I could not figure out how to tune that fucking thing. So the second my guitar went out of tune, that, that was, was it. it. Like done. <laughs> Now you just get an app on your phone and just like you know, had to buy, you know, a, new, to buy a new guitar. guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot easier now as somebody who's a very very shitty fledgling guitarist. Like I don't know, I, I couldn't tune it without my fucking phone. So thank God. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. If you were to be able to sort of ret- retroactively go back to a time in the nineties. Um, would you say you saw the first time you saw Pearl Jam was 94? Do you wish that you would have seen him a few years before that? Is there like a time that you're like, man, I wish I was there or anything that you could like relive? Um, cause we talk about stuff, you know, shows that we could go back to or be a part of and stuff. And it's wondering if you had one that you're like, man, I wish I was in town. I could have been there and it became like, it became the, you know, it could, I could have went to pink pop or something like that, but I chose not to. Yeah. 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 That would be awesome. And I thought about that. It'd be really cool to have seen, you know, you know, a very, very shy early in the early days, you know, and, and one of those early shows would be great. Uh, you know, well, I mean, one of my greatest regrets is that I never saw Zeppelin live. And mm-hmm. you know, I, even though I was, I was, I was young, it's like, you know, I very easily could have, you know, if I'd known at that point or had any clue in my early teens that, you know, you have an opportunity. Tickets were, what, like 10 bucks for concerts back then? Right. Yeah. Just one way to get something together with some of my buddies and just go, look, we have to do this now. Or we'll never get a chance to do this, you know, and, and, and obviously could have put something together where we just escaped, you know, with, you know, somebody's babysitter driving the car or something, you know, just here's the payout, get us there, you know. Yeah. Oh, and to have never, yeah, never seen that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, because if I, I think we all have, if we could go back in time and see any band in the history of the world, you know, live, you know, living or dead, who would it be? You know, and you know, and for me, it's Barnett. It would have been Zeppelin. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a that would be a, a choice that would be made a lot, you know, I mean, and it's cool. There's such a common thread, I think, between those bands and between, you know, what, what came to be in the nineties. I mean, all of those guys grew up listening to those same records and everything. And so just to kind of see that lineage, it's like the thing in the eighties with the hair metal, he took a little bit of a detour. And then, you know, in the late eighties and early nineties with a lot of what was happening in the Pacific Northwest, it's like, okay, like the legacy continues and, you know, we're kind of drawing from that. Um, so, I mean, all of those guys, you know, like you said, they kind of worship a lot of, I mean, Ed with the who, for example, I mean, it was yeah. a big, big influence. Yeah. So I think that probably is a pretty good stopping point for this week's episode. We got a lot to get into uh, next yeah. week and we don't want to, yeah. you know, we don't want to overspeak and stuff. So uh, one thing that we usually do at the end of the episode is we pick a, a song that we call it the songs of the week. So um, here's your shot. If you had one song to tell the Grunge Bible listeners out there to listen to, and it could be. Um, anything we talked about doesn't need to be Pearl Jam, although I, I have an idea that it will be. Um, <laughs> what song would you have that we're going we're gonna to put on our playlist and stuff? So what song do you want to shout out right now? Mm. And, then we'll, and then we'll cut you loose. <laughs> um, why don't we go back to Inside Job? Because that was a song that um, I remember at that time, too. It really you know resonated with me. And... Um, and I just love that song from beginning to end where it goes and, you know, uh, 
and the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That one's yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah. That's uh it's just such a I think important era for the band and um, yeah. there's a lot on that record too, you know, like life wasted, for example, or wasted reprise. Yeah. I mean, so those two songs, yeah. you know, together, a lot yeah. of those same themes, uh, and, you know, obviously comebacks yeah. on that record too. I mean, that was, a uh, that's one of their, one of their better yeah. ones from the last, you know, the later era of Pearl Jam. But I mean, Christ, that was, that was already almost 20 years ago that they put that out. So yeah. Worldwide suicide. Jeez. We, every single day we're like, what are we in? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, uh, yeah. I am very, very excited for uh, our next conversation, getting into uh, getting into the basal zone here in the Scott Crane yeah. zone. So, uh, Patrick yeah. Warburton, thank you once again for uh, you know reaching out to us and uh, being open to having these conversations. It's always a blast, uh, you know, especially to to have this conversation with you. So, we're really, really grateful for that. I am too. So, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ethan. This has been awesome. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm psyched that we were able to do this, and uh, I look forward to our next segment. Right on. That's yeah, right. the suspense is building. <laughs> Jumping right. out of my seat here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All, right. All right. We'll catch you guys grunge next forever. week. And yeah, grunge yeah. forever. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right. That was awesome. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, thanks again to Patrick for coming on the show. Um, just goes to show you anytime, you know, you can have a conversation with people that have the the sim same passions that you have. It's always, it always makes for a great time. It was really, really enjoyable. And I'm really looking forward to part two uh, that we're going to have coming to you. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the people that we can have here to interview. Uh, usually it's you musicians, photographers, um, but then, you know, you throw in a super fan, you know, and it doesn't help. You know, it helps, doesn't hurt that he is also um, an actor, a celebrity that's within in the realm, but like he's just a super fan, like everybody listening, everybody out there. And he's been a fan for much longer than we have. And he was there to talk to people. So his insights and these stories are, you know, what I think that people want to hear. Right? They yeah. want to hear the passion. And that's what they I want to hear. People hear. Talk. These yeah, exactly. These are the conversations that, that make this page run. They're the coal in the train that is grunge bible i right? like that yeah, i'm a big train guy yeah oh yeah he's gonna yeah. take us through the you know the end of the month with that excitement you know yeah yeah exactly and, and it just goes to show you this common thread um it exists across generations across um certainly occupations across you know all sorts of levels um you know and it shows you i mean this music it affects everybody uh and it inspires everybody and um you know these conversations really always serve to fill my pot and, and really illuminate just how special a lot of the music is here. Um, you know, and particularly the grunge music and, and especially Pearl Jam. I've got, got some Pearl Jam records up behind me on the wall today for this episode. And um, yeah, it just kind of is a good reminder of, of just how special this stuff is and how much it matters uh, to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We haven't done a Pearl Jam dedicated episode. So it was fun to, in a while, it seems like. Yeah. So it was nice to do. Well, we yeah. did the Christmas songs, but um, it's a great topic to, to really get started for this new year. So uh, thank you once again, Patrick, for coming on. And thank you, the listeners, uh, for uh, still being here and for hopefully enjoying uh, this uh, conversation that we just had. Uh, we already have uh, Patrick's song of the week, which is going to be Inside Job by Pearl Jam. Uh, really, really great selection. I think I'll probably post that one as well. Uh, on the page at some point. So, uh, Ethan, uh, we got some songs of the week to send the people off into the world on. Uh, you have one. I do. I'm wondering if I'm going to steal yours. 
I don't um, think you are going to steal mine. Mine's okay. I don't think mine's what you expect. We haven't talked about it. We haven't talked about my song. Okay. Okay. okay cause we, cause uh, you gave, you have given me this song of the week that I want to nice. bring up. <laughs> All right, let's, let's roll it, man. <laughs> and it was given to you as a gift as well, but oh, I think shit. it's time we go for soda, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think we. I think it's time we go Kim for soda. Mitchell. So Kim Mitchell is out there, and uh, I don't know if she's uh, or from. She's from North uh, Toronto, or is from the west coast of Canada. I'm not sure where, but he's he's a Canadian star. Yeah, correct? Kim, Back Kim in the Mitchell day. is a Canadian legend. Yeah, he's and an uh, we were legend. put on to the song "Go for Soda," and um, you know, one hit wonder, you may say. Um, I've also read some comments that the rest of the album is is awesome as I've well. Heard it's very great. sublime. I've heard that that Kim Mitchell album is really fantastic. But you just got to know that, like when, when times get rough or when times are good, <laughs> that you should just go for a soda, so, and that's what we all do. Sometimes when life life is really kind of sticking in your craw a little bit, you just have to say fuck it and go out for a soda. Um, exactly. You know, no one's gonna get hurt. No one's gonna die. You know, it's just nice and easy. You just throw back a nice cold soda pop and. You're fucking, you're good. You're, you're golden. That's right. So there's a live version on uh, Spotify that I'll throw <laughs> you're on. You're going with uh, a live playlist. version. Attaboy. Unless you, th unless you think I shouldn't. I don't know. No, no. I think you should. I think you should. I think you should. Cool. You guys will enjoy it. That's awesome. Go for soda. Kim. You never, I did not know that Kim Mitchell was going to make an appearance uh, in my life or in the life of the Grunge Bubble podcast, but I'm better because of it. Right. That's How about awesome. you, Chris? All right, my song of the week is going to be a derivative uh, of uh, from this conversation that we had. Uh, you know, chatting with Patrick kind of got me thinking about a lot of Pearl Jam songs that mean a lot to me. Um, and I'm going to choose Red Mosquito uh, from the No Code album. Uh, that one has been present in our lives for some time, uh, particularly the ending of it. If I had known then what I know now, and uh, that is a question um, and an answer simultaneously and, and i yeah. know it applies to my life just as much today as the day i first heard it uh if i had known then what i know now uh so my song is going to be red mosquito so we've got a nice trio there we've got inside job go for soda and red mosquito as the uh as the trio of songs of the week for this grunge bible podcast monday january 8th 2024 thank you all for listening very much um, please tune in next week for part two of our conversation with Patrick. Oh, yeah. We're going to bring on Scott Crane. It's going to be really interesting, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. So please keep your uh, keep that marked. You know, remember. I'm sure you guys will. If you're listening to the end of this podcast, I'm sure you guys are devout uh, followers. So got to keep your ear you. to the grindstone. Thank you, Drew McFadden, our our wonderful producer. He's putting in some hard work on these uh, late late in the weekend to get the get the pod out. So thank you very much, and thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Drew. Uh, I'm excited for a good year of Grunge Bible. I know we already released Starting an episode. Strong. Yeah, I know we already released an episode on January 1st, but this is the first one that we're recording uh, in the new year. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, Ethan. I'm going to be honest. Pretty jacked off for it. I'm, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty, I'm very pretty jacked, jacked off. off. <laughs> so, exactly. Here's here's to a good year uh, in all facets. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and stay tuned uh, for the episode uh, coming up next week. So. That's all I've got. Have a great week out there. Stay heavy and rock and roll. Rock and roll, everybody. Take care. Peace.